It's the podcast that shakes and stirs up pharmacy. Welcome to PBM on the rocks. That's the only way their PR could get any worse over the last like two months. People are going out bankrupt. They're closing stores. They're like basically hiding bodies and and they're responsible for the PBM mess right now. So I, I think that's the only way they could top it. So it's been making my job of trying to unionize pharmacies. It's been really easy so far. You know, thousands and oh, thousands yeah. of leads from all of the chains across the country. So that's fantastic. Oh, yeah. yeah, they are making it's awesome. it easy. And you know who else's job they're starting to make easy? The FTC. The whole change healthcare thing. Like, I don't even know where to start with this. A week ago when, <laughs> when the outage first happened, the board, my board, because my board, the PUP board is amazing. So all the people listening, if you do not know people on the PUP board, take a moment to get to know these incredible human beings because they they run stores, they have families. In some cases, those families are brand new and just made their debut into the world a few months ago, Jeremy. And yeah. they vet products, they keep their ear to the ground, they advocate, they directly talk to important people, directly talk to the FTC, directly talk to legislators. These people do everything, right? And then last week, here comes Change Healthcare, and I'm hearing a couple of them talking, they're like, yeah, that outage, it's it's bad, it's really bad. And I was like, hmm, okay, because I don't know anything about switches. Uh, you know, I, I just didn't know anything about it, right? Well, now we find out there's a cyber attack. Word on the street is that Optum paid 300 million in ransom, Optum on the top uh-huh. of the PR is they're they're downplaying this, which you know they should, right? That's what good PR. It's good to know our DIR fees are going towards something good, like you know, <laughs> like, like, getting yeah. healthcare data back, <laughs> like, from, like the Russian economy, right? That that's yeah, where from the cyber terrorists. But what pissed me off about this whole thing was that they start acting like they're big heroes, like, oh, don't worry, everybody, we unplug change, so everyone's health data is safe, and I'm I, like. You're kidding, right? Because like you shouldn't have let this happen. How many years of ransomware attacks have been going on? And you're actually patting yourself on the back for this. And the whole thing has just spiraled from there. It's unbelievable. Oh yeah, no uh, change being down. It, it's it's a big deal. I mean, it's this is huge. I mean, worst case scenario, they compromise the switch. They now have protected health information for like a trillion claims. So it's like, okay, so what's going to happen now? Are they going to get hit by some huge-ass lawsuit, or are they just going to get a slap on the wrist? Probably Um, nothing. Probably nothing. For every single person? Shouldn't they be hit? Because we would. We absolutely would. Probably nothing, though, because people. you ask the average person, well, the switch is down. They'll be like, what the fuck is the switch? Is it my insurance company? Well, no. Is it the pharmacy software? Well, no. Well, what the fuck is the switch? Turn it on, man. Like, let's get with the program. <laughs> no, we just say we just say you're during the initial stage. We say your your insurance is down right now. I am out. And, you know, they that's say, a oh, bad okay. idea. Yeah. If you say then that, they they're going to think it's the insurance. They call the insurance. <laughs> well, then good. We're Have the fine. Insurance We're fine. That pharmacy's <laughs> lying to you. Tell them you want a gift well, card. That, oh, they said you the, were lying. <laughs> as if the fucking. I, I don't yeah, do but, that. I intentionally confuse says, my patients with the truth. The, I'd rather the, do the that. Fucking insurance tells the patients that, oh, yeah, that drug's covered with the prior authorization. Well, fuck. Everything's fucking covered with the prior authorization. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, <laughs> no, I mean, I get a PlayStation covered here with prior authorization. Shit. Yeah, I mean, you needed it for your fine motor skills. Your doctor yeah. said so. 
<laughs> so it's just it, it's it's just a big clusterfuck. And you know what? There are a half a dozen switches with a change health bought out relay health or or United Health bought out relay health, but relay health still kept their old network up, which is oh, what geez. we're all using, which I'm waiting for that to like crumble down because it's it's the original relay health network that they kept up probably because they were too lazy to dismantle it when everything got moved over to change health. So I'm waiting for yep. relay health to just crumble. Who knows what those transaction fees are going to be? Because people don't realize that we get charged <laughs> per transaction. So they could be charged us a dollar a claim. And we have no idea because the bill hasn't come yet. No, it's a, it's a big uh, clusterfuck. Do you think the DOJ investigation got kicked off because this kind of was like, all right, time to, time to start. Because no. between the DOJ and the FTC right now, like United Health's getting it from a few ends. Like, and I... if one doesn't surface all the data, like Lena Khan uh, was talking about how they've not got all the data, which I knew they would, like they would give it in bulk and unformatted and it'd be hard to go through. Plus they would fight it every step of the way. Between the two of them, they should be able to get something pretty good there. I, I That's such a good question. I read somewhere today that they may have gotten their letter about this investigation as early as last October. Whatever it is that's going on, the timing is just divinely perfect. It was a national healthcare emergency, and I'm incredibly frustrated that these kinds of things are so buried that the media, even the media can't understand it. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's tons of independent pharmacies that were affected by this. But what I think is it's crazy for people to understand 300 million is Optum. Like Optum is like, don't worry, guys, we got this. Let us just you know, where the yeah. hell did all that money come from? And I'll tell you, it, it came from all these DIR fees. It came from all these retroactive audits that they come in, these predatory audits that they're conducting across the country. So while I think it sucks that 300 million had to be shelled out to to a cyber attack, there's a little bit of schadenfreude in there. I mean, they give the shakedown to, to pharmacies across the country all the time. And then lo and behold, after all, all this stuff happens, they're getting the shakedown from cyber attack. Yeah. Ah, 300 million ain't shit to them. They pay that yeah. in fines just to exist. <laughs> pocket change, pocket change. Yeah, they, well, they get caught doing fraud every single year and they pay out hundreds of millions of dollars for fraud. This is cost of doing business to them. It's nothing. They're operating on a scale with more money than anyone should know what to do with. And all they're doing is just, well, I guess we need more money for the shareholders. And so they've got to increase healthcare costs across the board to get there because of the medical loss ratio. And so that's what they do. It's one big old shell game. Well, I got food for thought for you guys on this one. So they process 15 billion healthcare transactions a year on change. And in Arizona, just two years ago, we banned transaction fees if you for everything except Medicaid in the state. And Optum at that time had raised their prices to 75 cents per transaction two years ago. Let's just take the case that they're somewhere around a dollar a transaction, $15 billion a year in transactions. Yeah, you're not really sweating 300 million when you put it in that perspective. No. Mm -hmm. 300 million. No, that ain't nothing. It's like, you know, sure, cyber ransom, no problem. Take the 300 million. We just got to get back up and running. And they're not even back up and running yet. They're not. Oh, all yeah. the way it's $1 to the switch to even like ping it. Then you've got the uh, brokers who were taking what, $6? 
something I'd never claim. We can't even get a fucking dispensing fee. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fuck shit. Yeah. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah. And lawmakers are now like, oh, well, I guess it's kind of messed up. Yeah, fucking shit it is. And now they're like, okay, okay. What if we tell them they got to pass all of these things right through, right through the plan? How about that? It's a fucking plan. Jesus Christ. We can't get anyone to fucking listen. Don't scare the dog, Jeremy. <laughs> oh, she's used to it. Get that right, Boo Bear. <laughs> she's just there like, yeah, dad, you yeah. tell Dog him. didn't even flinch. She wasn't moving. Nope. <laughs> hey, she's like a big old Eeyore. Well, I guess fuck them then. <laughs> yeah, that 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 could be the mascot for pharmacy, right? Like we're just so used to this just going on and on and on. Crippling no, I'm depression. About, I'm excited that the, the DOJ is getting back into United and relooking because they're like they do everything. And you know what was so weird is as I was looking that up, I came across an old article from where uh, Karen Lynch was talking about how she was excited to tear down the entire healthcare system and completely remake it. Yes. <laughs> image. Right. So they're trying to do the same thing. So we, you know, this whole idea, like there's competition and patient choice and, you know, God forbid uh, a single payer system. I, I don't know how we're, we don't We're have already that. in a single payer system. It just happens to be controlled by wall street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's totally. true. Uh the, the thing that sucks is everyone's just like, yeah, but in a single payer system, you'd have to contract directly with the government. And I don't want the government pay me. Motherfucker, you remember what it was like when Medicaid paid us directly? We actually got some good dispensing fees. Everyone that contracts with the government makes a fortune except healthcare providers. Because we let everyone else do it. Back before Medi-Cal, Lorex, fee-for-service Medi-Cal was administered by Medi-Cal. Medi-Cal had its own data center. Medi-Cal was its own PBM. So any sort of manufacturer rebates that, that the PBMs are skimming off of for profit, in California, those rebates would go back to the state. So it's like this self-feeding system that they didn't get skimmed off by some third-party company, some, some private business. They actually got reimbursed strictly back from the state, which was a good deal for the state. That's why you first saw all these, you know, it's like when Nexium went out, Nexium went generic. Medi-Cal only paid for brand name Nexium because the rebates they were Sweet getting from the rebate money. straight yeah. back to yeah. straight back it, to the state. It went straight back to the state and it was they actually made money filling Nexium than they would have if they covered the lower cost generic. But mm -hmm. now since Medi-Cal Rx is administered by by Magellan, now it's all fucked up again because of course Magellan is a middleman, which I don't know why Medi-Cal decided to not be their own PBM like they had. But I mean, yeah, Medi-Cal has always been like really, really good in California. I mean, we used to joke that, that, that you know, if you were on Medi-Cal, you had insurance that like no money could buy because it was so good. They covered everything. <laughs> they covered everything, everything new because they were getting all the rebates feeding back into the state yep. budget. And, and it actually was an absolutely fucking killer system. It made, it made the system the easier to deal with, to too. It, it made, cut out all those like freaking prior authorizations and it. Uh, I was but, so surprised. I was so surprised when it went through it. Like everything would go through. You'd be like, holy shit. We got to get it figured out. And honestly, it's not that hard to figure out. I don't, Farm D Hero, if you're out there on uh, Reddit listening to me, it's not that fucking hard to actually fix. You want all the details? <laughs> like, well, how will we do this or this? It's not that simple. It really is.
it is. really is. There's a lot of unnecessary bloat, and it's not that hard to cut it out. And whoever steps in and decides to fix it, I'm like, I'm just ready for answers because I cannot help having a page of the size that we do, 125,000 followers. It has been every other day I'm getting a message, a direct message to the page about another independent pharmacy shutting the doors because yeah. they can't stay open. And that's a terrible, terrible thing for small businesses across the country and just for healthcare in general. I mean, these are trusted businesses everywhere and they're dying. And the fact that I don't care what side of the political spectrum you fall on, this should be a bipartisan issue that someone needs to come in and change this because I don't want to see there be no choice and less access for patients. And that's really what's happening out there. It's it's not about independent pharmacies asking for more money. They're asking for enough money to stay open. I mean, that's they a want crazy to pay thing me for drugs. The fact of the matter is that we do all this stuff for the patients. We jump through the hoops. We do everything else for them, only to get paid under costs on drugs, and then have to hear the doctors have the absolute fucking gall to say, well, we don't get paid for doing prior us. Well, then, bitch, oh, do something that does not require a fucking prior auth. You don't get paid for the You don't get paid for the prior auth, but I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and uh, send you the paperwork. Do all the stuff for that to make sure that it gets paid. And then ultimately, in the end, when I after took all those extra steps to make sure the patient got their drug, I'm going to get reimbursed below cost. So don't feel bad. You didn't get any extra money for doing the prior auth. I didn't even get the money for the drug that required a prior auth. Yeah. Yeah. Our inventory. You shouldn't lose money on your inventory. That's ridiculous. Exactly. It's so perfect that you said that because that's exactly the message that, that we have started taking on again. You know, I remember when I was first doing this, my first job was to try to, first of all, educate the public about what a PBM was. So this is 2016. And that was impossible. If it hadn't been for the whole EpiPen thing, I'm not sure if we know what PBMs are today. It was just that hard, right? Now people know, and we're moving into this new world of trying to educate employers and educate you know the public and let them know that there are other options that you don't really have the choices that you have and and the biggest thing of all that really annoys me is this whole idea like there's something dirty about pharmacies making a profit right like i get very very annoyed with the messaging that surrounds us from the largest organizations where they say things like oh don't don't talk about money don't talk about profits because that makes it look like the pharmacies are in this for money it's like but how do you think they're going to stay open the science of business and it is a science is very clear cost of good sold plus a little bit to cover your service in selling the good right if you do it any other way there's no profit you're not in business right you don't see anybody walking around pointing a finger at mark cuban and being mad at him for setting up a drug company and he's right up front he's like cost plus 15 percent plus shipping and dispensing fees and no one's like ooh, dirty word no one is is talking about OptumRx and cvs caremark and express scripts making a profit we all know they're profitable we know all the major chains are profitable and then we're worried we're, we're we, we have the audacity to, to, to say if, if you're an independent pharmacy owner Let's not talk about if you made $250,000 in profit for a year, even though you're out there, you're being an entrepreneur, you're putting in God only knows how many hours a week, but you're not allowed to make any money, but they're just endless amount of profit because they have shareholders and, you know, they're behold, they have a fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders to, to turn profits. 
I'm, I'm sorry. You go into independent pharmacy hoping that you can earn a living for your family, take care of your employees. So talk about money. Expect to be paid for your services. Expect to be paid for at least the cost of the drugs that you're buying and servicing Absolutely. to the community. Absolutely. I can tell you. Yeah, but you got to remember that one. I forgot the name of it, but the PBM executive, when they retired a few years ago, they went out and God, this may have been like 10 years ago when they retired, they talked about everything that they did at the PBM. And they said they had never seen a more self-interested group of people than independent pharmacists. And it's just, <laughs> it's ridiculous. We're losing money just to make sure our patients get the meds they need. Yeah, People have like this image, like if you own a business, you're rich. Or, you know, if you're a pharmacist, plus you own a business, you're rich. I'm paying all this money for drugs. Drugs are expensive. Therefore, they are making a ton of money. And any other business, if you were selling a high price item, you would make some pretty good money. But no, there's no room for money for us that are actually doing anything. And those of us that are actually purchasing these drugs, the middlemen have sucked it all out and they're trying to force us out and force everyone under their umbrella so they can silo everyone into their own little personally run infrastructures. That's what they want. They want everyone so that whenever the government eventually goes, all right, you know, we got to do like single payer. They're like, look at us. We're set up. We're set up. We could be your single payer. You could allow us to run government health care. And these are companies that are straight up racketeering and it's demonstrable that they're racketeering and they're trying to get so big that they cannot fail. And we're going to have to actually, if we don't unwind them, we're going to eventually have to kill them. If they're going to survive and their shareholders want them to survive, they cannot create this giant healthcare crisis because we're right in the middle of one. It's a slow train wreck and the wreck has already started. Yeah. We're just, we're just the front. I will tell you what the magic billing formula is going to be that would basically put us all in the right. None of this AWP minus 25% plus, you know, 20 cents bullshit. It's you mean we're going to use real numbers? Real numbers. All okay. right. It is NADAC plus like $15. Problem solved. Amen. Yeah. NADAC, NADAC plus $15. $15 would be. So you got to tie that $15 into inflation. You know, what's, what's really, really frustrating, too, about everything you just said is that independent pharmacy owners are subject to taxes and they contribute to the tax base. They create jobs, they support their communities and they contribute to their tax base. Thanks to laws that were passed in the previous administration to the one currently, the largest corporations all have major tax cuts. So you can't even point to them and say, oh, but they're paying taxes. Look at the jobs they're creating. Look at the good things they're doing. You can't say that because they've been given these enormous breaks almost as a reward for having found ways to exploit the system and get all these revenue gains. So every single job under the United Health umbrella, under the CVS umbrella, is a waste of job and bloat because those companies are predatory and they cost of this country, not even in taxes, not even in, in anything else, not even in siphoning money from patients overall to this economy and what they're doing to healthcare and denial of care and lost years, they are accomplishing something that any other enemy nation state terrorist organization would dream of doing to us. They have caused more damage than anything else in existence. They make tobacco companies look like teddy bear companies. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> oh, wow. They do. 
They do. I loved I loved the idea of working in an independent pharmacy and being able to have those patients from Walgreens or CVS or Rite Aid come in and say, I cannot stand being there anymore. I want to fill my prescriptions at your location. And we were so well positioned to give them genuine health care, to take the time to be able to do all those things. But unfortunately, I never thought we'd be in this situation. Before I accept a patient that's unhappy with my competitor, I have to find out what medications they're taking and what insurance they are to decide whether it makes financial sense for me to take them on as a patient. And that is unbelievable. When you talk about just trying to compete with the competition, hands down, if you're an owner operator or you're an independent pharmacy, you could provide better care. You could provide better patient outcomes. But now you have to take in new patients based on what insurance they have. And if they have too many brand name drugs, if you're getting negative reimbursement on products, you have to say, I'm sorry, but you have to stay at the shitty place across the street. If I'm McDonald's and there's a Wendy's across the street, I can't say, well, you know, you have to stay, keep it your get your hamburgers over there because we just can't afford to to sell you them here. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Did you see the What's article that? on Wendy's surge pricing? You brought up Wendy's and I just had to say, did you guys see that? I, oh, we've been talking about it for two days. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> fa- it's comedic fodder. I was saying like CVS and Walgreens are thinking about surge pricing for plan B's <laughs> on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. I'm like, they're like, yeah, that's a great business model. You know, we can like up <laughs> like a surge pricing for like, if we have a COVID outbreak, we'll just up, up the price on everything. Oh my gosh. You know, if, if, if In-N-Out Burger and Canes and what's the other one, Chick-fil-A, at least in my city, if they had surge pricing, they would never stop because those are the, those happen to be the ones here where like, there's never not a long, long line and there's never <laughs> not weird traffic control. And they have to have these like Disneyland like cues for the cars. <laughs> and then you always have some person who thinks they're smarter or better than that. And they're going to like cut off the queue and they back up traffic like for a mile, you know, down the street. I refuse to go to those. I won't go to the Chick-fil-A around the corner. I fucking hate it. I won't do it. I'm not getting in your weird little traffic thing. I can't even look at the menu. Maybe I want to look at the pictures. Maybe I'll change my mind if I look at the pictures. I don't need that person in my face being like, what do you want? And then looking at you like you're stupid. Like, can I get a fucking menu? Fuck you. They're stupid drive through. I, I said, I said yesterday with the surge pricing, note to self, Never go to Wendy's at 4.20 or 2.30 a.m. in the morning. So, you know. <laughs> That's when awesome. When the come out or the bar's like, Come closed. on, everybody. Come to us instead. We'll take we'll take your overflow. I think Jack in the Box makes me laugh because I think that's like the, the number one place for people after they've either drank too much or smoked too much or whatever. And they've got like massive munchies. So they go there. Yeah, I'm scared of Jack in the box because like a place that sells like tacos and like a baked potato and you could also get a cheeseburger at, you know, like what the hell is going on back there in that kitchen, man? I ate at Jack in the box for the first time. And like a Caesar salad along with that. Yeah, sure. We can make anything back here big as that refrigerator or like taco bell where they wrap them all together like yeah we put a taco inside of a burrito inside of an enchilada inside of a chicken inside of a turkey inside of a duck (laughs) i just have to say jack in the box is the absolute worst fast food i've ever had in my life it is terrible maybe i just went to a bad one but it's awful i i've had a lot of jack in the box i have to admit i used to have an before the the independent pharmacy that i work at now I used to drive an hour and the only thing in the middle, it's a very remote area of the Southern California desert. The only thing there was a Jack in the box. And the last <laughs> time I went there, I, I'd have two coffees in the morning. I'd have a coffee in the morning and I usually work out. So I'd have to stop. There was always a bathroom break there. And I went into the bathroom and I see a guy walk in with his like morning stuff and go into the stall, start eating as he's like okay. on the, 
And I'm like, nice. this is the oh last God. time. I'm definitely not coming in here. It's called efficiency. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God. It's energy. So Economies of scale. <laughs> I, I know I know disgusting. the area where you are, Shane, and it's it's uh it's pretty remote. It's beautiful, but pretty pretty remote out there. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty big city now. It's but if, where where I was going to Brawley, you'd have to drive through like the hinterlands of of the Southern <laughs> California desert, and you'd be at a place called Salt and Sea, and there was really just one gas station oh, and a Jack yeah? in the Box, and it's just like oh. yeah, you should have seen it during COVID when the the gas prices went up when the gas prices were really at scale because there's no gas stations 30 miles in either direction. It was like pushing like 950 out there in the middle of nowhere. People were like pulling in and they're like, what? Are you kidding me? They're like, you have no choice. You're going to get, if you need gas here, I guess you're at least getting a few gallons. Yeah, there you go. And that would be a great opportunity then to be like, and if you think this is bad, let's talk about CVS. Because that that's always what I'm doing. Like everyone who knows me knows that they know that I'll say a couple of things. One is that whatever Uber I get in, by the time I get out, the last thing I'm saying to that driver is, and if you remember nothing else, <laughs> CVS is the enemy, right? And they're like, okay, thank you. And then the other thing is like, yeah, like I'm that lady at the cocktail party that if you ask me what I'm, what I do, like you'll never get away. Right. So like people end up backing away slowly when I, you know, cause, but it's paid off. Cause I was at a cocktail party a year ago, this past December and someone asked me what I did and I was talking about what I did. And, and then this guy like arbitrarily starts challenging the comfortable. How do you know the claims? How do you know about prior authorizations? Oh and my it, God. Yeah, he was a doctor whose sole job is to sign off on prior authorizations. And I oh, was like, stupid fucking dick. Really? <laughs> Let's talk about that. Tell me how you decide which ones get approved and which don't. And of course, being the guy that he was, he was all like, it's the doctor's fault. They think they know everything. Their notes are crap, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, mm-hmm, no, to sell. He worked for um, Blue Cross Blue Shield. Yeah. Do you so all know how much, like, how raking in off prior offs? You know they well, actually bill the employers for those prior offs. They oh, are making a fortune off those well, prior offs. Well, and it's an AI flip switch is what's coming out. Is That's been yeah. the reports, yep. is that it's literally a switch flip speaking of switches after everything with change, but you know, they're literally just checking a box and a, a thousand prior auths just go bloop and bloop. denied. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fuck system. I mean, yeah. Are, are doctors getting fucked? Yeah, they are. But you know what? We fucking warned you. We, uh, but who's, fuck- who's, who's getting fucked harder? That's what I want to know. It's really about, oh, it's we're all us. getting fucked, but who's oh, getting well, fucked harder? They're no, kind of on our side right now. We screamed to get them on our side for years, and they were just like, oh, whatever. And then United Health snatched up 70,000 of them. They're like, oh, man, this is a problem. Yeah, it's a fucking problem. <laughs> no, and we God, told them it was they a ignored it for problem. years. Yeah, and and now they're all crying, and now they're all sitting there with their hats in their hands, saying, "Oh no, United Health only paid me forty-five. Uh, no, and that they're the ones that are getting reimbursement relief on this fucking budget, and we aren't. Yeah. I, I'd I mean, be excited about getting paid forty-five dollars for something. If I'm getting $45, 45 dollars over cost, holy shit! If, I'm doing even if you wheel. shelled out, even if you shelled out six hundred dollars, that's a fucking win. That's in the W. Yeah, call. no fucking you know, shit, it is. <laughs> See, my entire thing is uh, Mm -hmm. whenever they start on that stuff and they try to take the high and mighty position of, 
oh, but you don't know what you're talking about. You don't, yeah, you just don't understand how the system works. They used to do that. They don't do it as much anymore, if you've noticed, with everything that's come out recently. They don't take that high and mighty position. It's more of, well, it's it's so complicated to fix, and you've got you've to consider all the stakeholders, and you can't just run these companies. What about all the other people that work there? Now it's not just like you don't understand the process. It's, well, it's more complicated than that because we've got we've got to take care of these companies too. And now at this point, I'm just straight up fucking rude to them. I don't consider them people. I despise them. If you work for these companies and you got to do that many mental gymnastics to get through the day to justify what you do, you're not a fucking person to me. And I'm not talking about the little call center people. They're just trying to earn a living. But if you sold out your entire profession and everyone else to go and deny claims at one of these companies, fuck you. I hope you die tomorrow. Tell us how you yeah. really feel, Jeremy. Yeah, yeah. But no, but I, I, I happen to agree with that. Maybe I don't want anybody to die tomorrow, but I, I have You're to soft, say- You're soft, Shane. You're soft. <laughs> I know. I hope I hope they have to go to the, the jack-in-the-box and sit on there while they're eating, like, you know, whatever, whatever. But I don't want them- I'm beyond to that, die. it's guillotine I want time. them to feel like they're going to die, not actually die. <laughs> but what I was going to say is I hate the idea that we have to defer to insurance companies. Like, oh, the insurance companies know best because they employ these two doctors who've sold their souls you know to sit yeah. in a, and deny claims and that you're you're absolutely right about that if you call yourself a healthcare provider and you decide to go to work for one of these companies try to change the culture if you go go in there shit hire me i'm gonna fucking go in there and be like he's the best ever he's like you know he's firing out there. he's just prior authorizations i get it approved 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 they're like, yeah. shit, <laughs> you'd lose your job. What? I'm doing, I'm efficient. I'm getting the work done. We're firing out medications. I got through it all. Yeah, yeah. I think that they're paid done. based off denials. <laughs> done, done. Let me be the single payer. Paid, paid, paid. <laughs> it's so <Shit>. easy. <laughs> the sad thing is that if you were actually doing that, you'd end up saving the country billions of dollars because- it's billions, hundreds of billions of dollars for all the complications that result from yeah. patients. What a novel idea, yeah. letting the actual doctor that saw the patient decide on the appropriate therapy in collaboration with other well, healthcare well. providers that are actually seeing the patient. This is a fucking novel idea. Oh, Shane, Shane, you're talking bullshit. I just watched that entire podcast with CMS. <laughs> Prior authorizations are here to stay, is what they said. And that lady's going to have an awesome, awesome fucking job whenever she leaves CMS. United <laughs> Health will snatch her right up. Yeah, this radical idea that if you just let the patient and the doctor handle the diagnosis and the treatment plan and you involve the pharmacist whose expertise is in the medicine. For sure. like, and how many, how many readmissions work. actually happen? because of delays in therapy and all of this bullshit. You know, it's, it, if they really did, if they ran some cost analysis on this, they would see, well, I'm sure they do, but those things don't get, don't, don't really get pushed out the way that they're supposed to. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of organizations that are there that'll be like, hey, look at these numbers. You know, if we actually just started approving these medications, we would have less readmissions. We would have better And it's care. not even that. If they straight up cut that stuff out, we spend more money in this country trying to prevent fraud, waste, and abuse and trying to keep drug prices low and trying to keep reimbursements low, we spend more money on that than we do actual healthcare at this point. It's really bad. And the CBO, which is heavily influenced by industry 
healthcare economists. That's who they get in to like help score some of this stuff. And they rely on industry numbers. The CBO scored things. And even they came out with all this faulty data and everything else. They came out and said that our country would be better off just running a single payer system. But we can't because people need to be tied to employment because people have to work for health insurance. And too many people would stop at their job, just stop going and not have a job if we had a single payer system. That was the argument. This came out, I think it was CBO scored it last year. And so that's the mentality. And that's what the input is from a lot of these people, a lot of the people that they hired to advise them. And I'm sure some of the health economists who are heavily influenced by, of course, the healthcare industry and also the uh, Chamber of Commerce itself. So it's not about saving lives. It's not even about really money. It's about making sure we all work like the peasants we are. So we pay more in this country than anybody else because they want more workers. You said something that struck me, uh, the irony of what you said really struck me, which is we pay more money, what'd you say, chasing fraud, waste, and abuse. And I was thinking, you know, yeah. and you know who's you know who's doing that, quote unquote, are the PBMs and the MCOs come with their like yeah. it's like the box Who commit the most fraud out of anyone. Yeah. They're so, the response. So I could tell you a great story about this. I don't know if we talked about this on the last thing. You guys can look this up. It was Ren in the Wall Street Journal. The first time I'm like, I Two, the same year I was in the Wall Street Journal two times. I'm like the poorest person ever to be in the Wall Street Journal two times in the same year. So this yeah, was but back you killed in, it on it. This is back in 2020. I worked for for a pharmacy called White Cross Pharmacy in Brawley, California, and it had a uh, it was an owner operator. He'd been there for like 27 years, and then he he left. He opened a bunch of other ones, and I kind of opened and closed the building for him every day. Never really saw him or anything like that. I ordered all the products except for HIV medication. He had built an HIV medication business for all of these like remote areas of the Southern California desert. The uh, Medi-Cal system before it went to a straight statewide system called Medi-Cal RX. It had county specific Medi-Cal programs. The one that was in Imperial County was uh, California Health and Wellness, and it was run by CVS Caremark. And all of these HIV patients would have their prescriptions billed to this. And for prescriptions like Bictarvi and Simtuza, which are like $3,000, $4,000 a bottle, CVS Caremark was paying like $50 to $100 less than the acquisition cost of the pro Damn. product when you ordered it from one of the primary wholesalers, be it McKesson, be it Cardinal or Amerisource Bergen. So I would order everything else from Bergen and then use the other secondary wholesalers. And I ordered everything except for the HIV medications. He would get them from two secondary wholesalers, one out of Massachusetts, and there was one other place that he would get them from. And they would get sent to me every week as the HIV medications came in. And I was like, okay, whatever. They were always factory sealed bottles, whatever. I get a call from a patient that says, hey, I just opened a bottle of Bictarvi and inside the bottle has Tylenol. And immediately red yep. flags are going off because I'm like, it's a factory sealed bottle. There are reasons why sometimes patients lie about things like this because maybe they're trying to travel out of state. They want an extra bottle to go. But erring on the side of caution, I believe the patient, I got a bottle off the shelf, opened it up, saw that it was Bictarvi, had the drive delivery driver take it out to the patient, brought back that bottle. Just on the outside chance the patient was telling the truth, I called Gilead Pharmaceuticals, I let them know, hey, is this is did you guys get any other uh, calls about this lot? So they asked me for the lot, they asked me to take pictures, they immediately had a courier come out, pick up this drug. Long story short, they took this stuff, they launched an investigation after this and what they found is that there were 88,000 bottles of counterfeit 
drugs, HIV medications on the market. The result of my call shut down two secondary wholesalers. The only reason why these wholesalers even exist or independent pharmacies are trying to go to them is to actually be able to sustain being able to give those patients their medication. They shut down those two wholesalers and took 88,000 bottles of counterfeit HIV medication off the market. What happened as a result of that is the store got fined $1,000 and they cited my license for making that call. Doing exactly, you know, I, I, I made the entire national supply chain safer by doing my job as a pharmacist. And they, the board of pharmacy still said, you should have known because there's, there's a matrix on the bottom of the bottle. And somehow you could ask a, a million what? pharmacists and maybe someone would know like, oh, you could look at the bottom and find out. I mean, I, I didn't fucking know that. <laughs> I received a pedigree from the secondary wholesaler. These were factory sealed bottles. What the hell else was I supposed to do as a patient? And I told I told the inspector when I called him about it, I said, you know what? I'm not the first pharmacist, independent pharmacist that got a call from a patient saying, hey, you know what? My drugs. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if this was this was right or not. And probably every other call, they didn't call Gilead. They just waited till they could bill it again and gave another bottle when it was time to rebuild because they didn't want the hassle. And if you're a smaller operation, owner operator with no resources, you can't afford to be doling out $3,000 bottles no. because a patient said it was the wrong medication. And that's, that's the, the fear is like pharmacists are put in this position where they're, you know, you talk about moral injury and that's really, it's a prime example of that. You're put in a position to go to these secondary wholesalers or shadier places to try and get product just so that you can, break even just so that you could keep the lights on. And that's an unfortunate situation. That's all a result of PBMs. And it's all a result of these organizations that are not paying appropriately. Secondary wholesalers wouldn't exist if there wasn't a handful of primaries and PBMs that were sucking all the profit away from our, our, our industry. Oh yeah. And I think the wholesalers absolutely need to get some shit coming up. Like we're focused on PBMs right now, but the wholesalers, you're in my crosshairs too, you pieces of shit. Yeah. They forced they got so many buying They've had groups. surge pricing going on for oh, yeah. it. They're like, Wendy's, they're like <laughs> laughing at Wendy's. They're like, surge pricing? We fucking know that shit. Let's talk about hydroxychloroquine. <laughs> oh no, all there's a, a shortage. Hydroxychloroquine was like, and I'm like, well, 2012 called like it once it's surge pricing back. Oh no, we're out of this NDC because we're overstocked on this other NDC. I guess you'll have to order that. We have a Torvastatin 40. We have this thousand count bottle for 20 bucks, but we're out of that one. We can give you this thousand count bottle for $300 if you'd like that tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you have all of this going into like the wholesale acquisition cost calculations and health economists using whack like it's a real goddamn number that and actually if you're one pertains pharmacist to anything. that's behind you accidentally clicked on that button to send that 300 <laughs> bottle the next day you try to sign it back and they say hey that's six months that's got a six month expiration date on. i'm exactly. sorry asshole you got to keep it too wow. bad you can't do that one no the, the the number of enemies in the camp never ceases to amaze me as someone who's not a pharmacist but has spent seven years, you know, learning this industry and all of the players. It just like you think you think you'd finally have them all like, you know, sniffed out, you know, who's doing what. And it's like there's always a new one, like the change healthcare thing, like, oh, it's just a switch. But it's not <laughs> it's your ability to verify if a patient is on a health plan. It's your ability to tell if they're going to get their prescription. It's just, you know, like you just never know. There's yeah. just a lot of leeches between doctors and pharmacists. That's yeah. what it comes down to. 
It's a fucking, it's a bunch of vampires. They're just a bunch of corporate fucking vampires. They smelled money with healthcare providers because we do an actual service and we used to get paid fairly well. They smelled money and they came for it. And man, did they really go after it. But their greed is going to be their downfall because it's too much. They're not too big to fail. They don't actually do anything that makes anything better. They just have a ton of money and operate as middlemen. If they piss everyone off enough during a crisis, they'll get fucking wiped. The pitchforks will come out. And right now, it's just we pharmacists that are out because we're the ones that are on the chopping block right now. And they're trying to get us rid of us. They want to replace us. They want to outsource this with telepharmacists. They want us gone. They see us as a huge expense in pharmacy because they've cut everything to the bone so much. Well, we shouldn't have to pay a pharmacist to get these drugs out, especially when we can just mail them to them from a central processing. Why would we have to pay these pharmacists? It, that is what's inflating healthcare costs, not fucking everything else involved yeah. with it. So they're just trying to cut us out. Well, at they've, this point, pissed, and they've we gotta, pissed off we enough of us because I can tell you with the pharmacy guild and, and the launching of camp, we have yep. campaigns going across the country right now. We are weeks out from filing in multiple locations across multiple chains in different areas of the country. I can promise you that we will have national media attention within the next two months again, because some oh, of yeah. these places, your guys are going to be really surprised. I wish I could tell you, but it's, it's so top secret because before they actually sign the cards and we file with the NLRB there, they don't have any protection. So a lot of these companies can come in and kind of squash it immediately. But I've been at some of these, card signings already so th this is our plan and, and i think that this is going to be the thing that unites the industry not because everyone needs to unionize i'm not advocating for independent pharmacies to unionize or anything like that but we have a three-part plan and it's about leveling the playing field by having these larger corporations start treating their people properly staffing appropriately safe and adequate staffing levels and after we address that we've taken away one of their rungs we've taken away their biggest controllable expense as soon as they get out of an economic boon where they start to have a decrease in the profitability the first thing they do is announce a billion dollar spend reduction and that's usually when they start cutting hours and bullshit like that so if we level the playing field by requiring through legally binding union contracts in lots of these pharmacies, if we stop them from doing that, they'll start to address on their own the reimbursement and the pay mechanisms that exist. So if we take care of that first thing, the second thing to fall is they're going to be our allies. They're going to go after PBM reform. They're the only people with enough money to lobby to get this changed on a national level. I see it happening in every state. There's all these things. It's in, Someone just asked me to put up about Kentucky. They have a PBM reform bill in Kentucky. We have one in Ca California. They're all over the place. But nationally, CVS, Walgreens, those companies will come in and dress it because now they can't really save money on payroll. So PBMs fall. They change that pay mechanism. They start reimbursing pharmacies better. That's better for everybody. That's better for independents. That's better for pharmacists. It, You're forgetting it one important all, step. It elevates all ships. One, one more thing. Let me, fin let me finish yeah. this last part. So once we do those two things, right, the last thing, and this is what every one of our organizations talks about, is about practicing at the top of their license, expanding the scope of practice, expanding the services that we have. If we have the pay structure in place, we have safe and adequate staffing, pay structure in place. The last thing we go after is scope of practice. And yep. everybody will get on it. Academics will get at it. We'll make pharmacy, even at Walgreens and CVS, a viable career option 
for students again. They won't say, shit, I'm never working for these companies. They'll be like, oh, I want to go work there because I could still be a clinical pharmacist. I could still practice at the top of my license by working in those places. And that is the plan of the Pharmacy Guild. And I just wanted to get that out there because I think everybody, everybody's going to get really excited about this. And that's the message I'm bringing to APHA in Orlando in a couple of weeks. I absolutely love it. I'm one of your biggest supporters. I'm proud of everything you put together. I never thought anyone could get pharmacists to unionize, and I 100% support you. I'll join the fucking union even as an independent pharmacist. I think other independent pharmacies should support it and should do everything else. There's one thing you're missing, though, in all that. We get paid differently than change. We have to get a bill in there saying that they cannot pay some pharmacies more than others. Otherwise, that's part of PBM reform. We have to yeah. label, we have to level the playing field. That should not exist. And that's the problem with vertical integration. When one of your competitors owns a PBM, that's a conflict of interest and that should be illegal. We should not, that, that shouldn't even be part of the conversation. And unfortunately it is. Everyone gets paid the same for the same service and the same drug. What a radical concept that I should pay an independent yeah. pharmacy and pharmacist the same way that I should pay my stores. If I'm CVS Caremark and I'm the P PBM, I should have to pay independents the same way that are contracted with my own stores. That's bullshit if it's anything else but that. I agree. You know, Shane, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was going to bring it up with you. I was going to top out a whole thing and send it to you, but you would get a ton of independents on board if as a union, you offered a healthcare plan. Because well, that's the end game because yeah. I'm, you know, I'm right now I'm a consultant. I am and I am healthcare has allocated a ton of resources to the pharmacy guild. We've hired staff in Denver. We've hired staff in Massachusetts. Yeah. We have seven people going to APHA. We're vendors at that. We, and I, I don't know, you know, the APHA, it's a business. Vendors pay money to be there. So they've put a lot of trust in this idea and we yeah. had such a huge response and the end game after we've taken care of trying to unionize as many pharmacies in the chains as we can, we want to be able to provide that service because I'll tell you what, their healthcare system for any union members, it's unmatched. Their healthcare benefits are unmatched. Yes. And I think the insight that you could actually give to those plans, especially if they got a union of pharmacists there with that kind of input I think you could make that even better. Like, I think this has a lot of potential and I think this could help a lot of people even outside of the immediate like chain pharmacists that would, you know, need to join just because their life is terrible right now. I think you will get more people than you realize coming up and doing this, especially whenever you've got a bigger infrastructure there to back it up and you're officially a union. Uh, I know I support it. I know numerous other independents that support it and think this is a great idea. And I'm really, really happy that you managed to do this. I mean, it's monumental. It really is. Well, thank you. And I would just say any independents or anybody out there, whether you're in the industry or not, but you're a supporter and you feel like this is something that we need to have within our industry, go to pharmacyguild.org and just fill out an interest letter just so that you could, you'll get, you'll be on the newsletter. You'll be able to see any news that comes out. You'll hear about all the elections that are going to happen and the wins over the next year. And I make it, I've made this bold prediction a couple of times, but five years down the road, we will have the bulk of pharmacies, the bulk of chain pharmacies will be unionized because they will see that this is going to work. And I want to save independent pharmacies and I want to give patients choice. And this is the way to do that. Because if we don't, independent pharmacy is going to be a thing of the past. 
And I don't want to see that happen because I've worked in one. Now I worked for Walgreens. I worked for CVS. I worked for CVS target. I worked at a desert regional medical center as a per diem. And I can say beyond the shadow of a doubt, I have affected more lives working as an independent pharmacy. And I've known my patients on a personal level and better patient outcomes working in an independent because you know everybody that walks through the door, they're supportive of you. It's just a different kind of environment. And I don't want to see that go away. Fuck it, right. I'd rather throw a goddamn brick wall for you right now. And I'm a hard <laughs> man to inspire. I really love your passion, uh, Shane, because to me as a patient, it gives me a lot of hope for the honor of the profession. I, pharmacy is a noble and time-honored profession. And you really can't separate medicine and, and physicians and medicine. You can't separate them. They are the oldest profession. I mean, we just, we know this. And there, there's an older one. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll give you that, Jeremy. I will not ask how you know, being the young man that you are, but I will just- I'm, I'm a sweet, that. innocent Jeremy. Sweet, innocent Jeremy would not know about the oldest profession in the world. But, you know, like there's been a, for some time now, there's been a, an assault on the industry. It's been going on. And so, so I spent a lot of time talking with my pharmacists at Putt about why they cannot wallow in ideas that it's their fault that all of these things are happening. Because it's not. The, the, the construct that we're in was created by people who aren't pharmacists. They're not doctors. They are they're analysts. They're algorithm experts. They're bean counters. They have figured out how to exploit the system to make money. But the cost of it is that this profession of pharmacy has somehow been really professionally taken down. Like I remember before I got involved in this work, I would go to the CVS at one of like the, the busiest CVSs in this city. Phoenix has 5 million people. I live in central Phoenix. This is the, this pharmacy was in like the most central point of central Phoenix at 16th street and Camelback for anyone who listens from Phoenix. <laughs> and I would be in this CVS to get my medicine. And I would look at this, back area where you had no less than six pharmacists running around trying to deal with people in the drive of lane people in line to get their medicine people bringing their like toilet paper and their makeup and all this stuff to the counter and you could just see like here are these poor people who are medical professionals who've been trained and they're having to deal with this level of stress and being to someone like me at that time the untrained person looking at like like i can't believe they went to medical school they got these degrees and they're basically a a, a clerk in a drugstore right that's a systematic assault on the industry to the point where some of the smartest people in the world, and I know because I know some of them, you know, I'm constantly in this battle with them about how pharmacists are not pill counters. That is actually conversation that I have had with people. And it has everything to do with how the, how the profession has been twisted and changed by pharmacy benefit managers, MCOs, and, and shareholders who want the greatest return they can possibly get. So when you talk about what you're doing, when you talk about unionization, when you talk about you know, people being able to be proud of the work they're doing, I say, that's amazing and keep up that good work because this is a beautiful profession. My pharmacist, just last week, you know, I've been, I've, um, I'm of a certain age and I've been dealing with all kinds of you know, problems associated with, with being of a certain At age. 30? You're ridiculous, Monique. <laughs> uh, 30 years old and having to deal with this. But, I, you know, always complaining. My, my blood tests, right? We were looking at some, like my hormone levels. Some were way too high. Some were way too low. And she looked at one of them and she was like, are you tired all the time? And I was like, God, I'm tired all the time. And she's like, yeah, 
your thyroid medicine, it needs to, you need to bump it up, right? My doctor didn't catch that. My doctor is fabulous. I love her. But my pharmacist is the one that caught that. And that's not the first time my pharmacist has done that. That is a story that millions of Americans can tell every day. They talk to their pharmacist. The pharmacist is the one who made the recommendation. And I just want to see this profession restored to its rightful place. Uh, and I love that you're doing what you're doing because I believe that what you're doing is going to get it there. Thank you. I think that you're absolutely right on that. If Americans and the general public understood that pharmacists, given the time and resources to do their job properly, can better healthcare outcomes for patients across the country. And I'd like to say it was inspired. I was just, it's just who I am, but it's really not. The social media for all the problems that it has, it's afforded me the opportunity to hear from pharmacists and technicians across the country. And honestly, I don't know if I could go another day seeing all the people out there that are, are really suffering. A lot of pharmacists out there who really started this profession because they wanted to help people really feel like now that they're stuck. So many pharmacists come to me and say, you know, I, I started this because I wanted to do something good. I wanted to help. I wanted to help people. And now I just feel stuck. I'm working here and I know I can never do anything else because I have two hundred, three hundred thousand $300,000 worth of debt. And every single day, is worse than the day before. Uh, I get it from my wife. She's been 16 years as a pharmacy manager with Walgreens. And she says, you know what? I And she wanted to be a pharmacist since she was a kid. Like, and I, I think I was like, I, she's the only person I know. Nobody aspires to be a pharmacist when they're 13 years old, but she did. She <laughs> wanted to be that. I, I think it's great. But what what's what's happened now is so many of them feel trapped. And I want to help those people that feel trapped that the rest of their career is going to be better, that they don't have to wake up every day dreading going into whatever whatever place they're working at. And I want them to be proud that they're practicing as a retail pharmacist who's a clinical pharmacist because they have the time and resources to do so. I'm a second generation pharmacist. I grew up with this and I watched us go from what it was like in independent pharmacy back in the day when we actually got paid pretty well. And we would offer just a ton of services and a ton of things for free just to get more people through the door. Like that's what we did. I watched us go from that to what we are now. We have six or seven pharmacists in my family. We're out here and they've got everything down to the bone. And we're sitting around just wondering what the fuck can we do? We're at the point where we're a pharmacy family. And we're wondering whether we should ever encourage another person in our family to ever go into this again. We're wondering about the viability of our family's entire yeah. wealth structure going forward. Because For if they sure. all go that's, down, that's a shame. It shouldn't be like it yeah. shouldn't be like that. I'm trying to tell jokes on the internet and you yeah. know be, be a cruise ship performer because I'm like I don't know if I'm going to be able to sustain my life as a pharmacist yeah. anymore. And that's a that's that's crazy. Your backup is I'm that. sitting over here sports betting. I'm like if I get five units a week and I do this for five years, I'm fucking millionaire. <laughs> 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 well, Shane, for whatever it's worth, I've been on a number of cruises and you'd be a fabulous cruise ship entertainer. So, you know, well, we, we are Maurice and I, Maurice and I were at Farm at Sea in July uh, this year. We actually have yeah. almost 200 attendees coming to Farm at Sea. We're going to have Dan Schneider there from the pharmacist documentary and yeah. about uh, 15 to nice. 20 uh, featured pharmacists and pharmacy technicians from across the country. One of the most famous pharmacy technicians. He has 500,000 followers on TikTok. Delano, uh, he's, a, he's an actual real pharmacy technician, but uh, it's a wow. kind of an internet uh, healthcare celebrity. And uh, yeah, I, we're, we're actually going to do that because 
I got to have something to look forward to. You know what I mean? Like uh, <laughs> everything's probably around you talking me, about? You're about to up on, on a cruise ship, you know? So you're about to do one of the most monumental things in pharmacy history. What are you talking about? Look forward to this. <laughs> the cruise is going to be pretty cool too. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I thought about pharmacy. going if it weren't for the baby, like me and Emily would go. Cause I love cruises. Oh yeah, for sure. We never did yeah. say what our drinks were and we're coming to the That's end. That's what I was going to say. Together. Speaking of looking forward to. Yeah. Well, all right. So I'll just start. So I did say that this is the, uh, this is the St. Patrick's issue, the everybody's Irish issue, but the way the week has been going, I fell back on my Manhattan, which is made with rye. So I'll just take a page out of Scooby-Doo's book and say that it's a rye Manhattan. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! I'm stealing that. Rirish, <laughs> huh? We're all Rirish. <laughs> Fucking hell! I know. I wish I was drinking now, but I'm sort of driving, and that's kind of frowned upon. Yes, that's like that where you live. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> yes, yes. I'll go from the angry pharmacist to the unprobation pharmacist. That's that'll, <laughs> that's what'll happen. Probation's fine. Just chill for a little while. You'll be all right. The, I mean, the Paps, the Paps Blue Ribbon Pharmacist, the PB Pharmacist. It can't get any worse. It's not like I'm making any money. Oh, my God. Also, Shay, whenever you drop a pun joke on your things, it is. I want to come in and be like, that is the most cringe fucking thing ever. But I don't want to call you out on your thing. It's part, it's part of my thing. Like, I have I to switch it up. It's either a really lame dad joke or a pharmacy dad joke or a dick joke. So I have to keep I have to keep them yeah. guessing. Is he going to be a pervert today or is he going to be the dad of uh, dad of five? You know, so like we have to we have to change it up a little bit. You That's keep very putty. <laughs> and then yeah, you turn around and you're just like your urethral trauma. <laughs> what? <laughs> This is all over the place. <laughs> I have to tell you, I have to tell you the story about my drink since I you just told so I drink red wine or Michelob Ultra or a light beer. Like if you're gonna put in a shift, you gotta have something where you could sip it all day. So that's the only thing I'm I'm like drink. I really don't drink any hard liquor because I'll end up under a tree in Tijuana somewhere if I do things like that. But my wife, she's she's a big fan of Gary V. So she she does does his wine app, right? And she she always orders wine for me. She tried to order me wine over Christmas. And she's like, oh, I'll get him two bottles, right? Instead of two bottles coming, two cases of wine came by accident. They only charged us for two bottles, but two cases of wine came to the house. All the same kind. Thankfully, it's pretty good. This is Ancillary Cellars, uh, Pinot Noir, which is my favorite, by uh, Sonoma Coast. And they called us up and they were like, did we send you two cases by accident? And my wife's like, yeah, well, you sent us two cases. And they're like, we have those back. I'm like, oh, they're gone. That's like, that's like when the, when the pharmacy accidentally dispenses 180 instead of 30 Norco, you know, you're never getting no shits back. I'm like, yeah, send, send the prepaid postage. I'll send you back your two cases of free wine. <laughs> I would have thought that as big as Gary Vayner is, I would have thought his wine shop would be like, oh, our bad. Keep yeah. it. Whatever you are, but yeah. whatever. They're like, so can you got- send it back to us? You guys have hundreds of millions of dollars. What's your what's your market cap? You sent me two cases. Eh, oh, well. Oh, right, Jeremy, my God. What are you drinking? Oh, what I'm drinking today, it's very special. It's very different than my usual drinks. This one is called the Depressed Pharmacist. It is... My usual blend of high quality Jameson Irish whiskey, 
with very, very special ice cubes that have been frozen in the shape of whatever Harry Potter house you would like. I have that in here. And then for this little extra special note, because it is the depressed pharmacy owner drink, I sprinkled a little bit of salt in it to mimic tears. Oh, what Harry Potter house are you? I'm Slytherin, motherfucker. Are you? Uh, yeah. Shannon helped me to understand that I was actually uh, Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw? Is there... yes, Ravenclaw's a good house. So. You're definitely Ravenclaw. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't even you know are. that. You're very cerebral. I would do Ravenclaw for you. <laughs> yeah, someone once told me I was Hufflepuff, and I was like, Those... Did you hit them? Did you hit them for daring <laughs> to insult you that way? <laughs> actually, studying wrong with Hufflepuff. That. Part of Hufflepuff the part of the reason house. I was getting my blood I'm shaped I'm shaped like a Hufflepuff, but I don't really know what house <laughs> I belong to. I was uh, part of the reason I had my my blood test run was because I've been so angry that I've been like ready to get into fights with people. Shannon told me I had oh, a mood energy the other day. She's like, "Keep it up." <laughs> it was like, "Just keep that going until we get through all the stakeholder meetings for legislative stuff." Now you sound like a Gryffindor. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I that was temporary. Once I realized that I was overdosing on testosterone, then I, uh, I, I'm now getting slowly back to normal. The beard has stopped growing in too, which is good. So, well, it must be nice. I'm, experimenting, it was I'm experimenting with my facial hair as a, as a, as a full. It looks good, you know, man. Forty-six year old man that really doesn't grow any like hair. This is like <laughs> uh, eighty-seven <laughs> weeks of facial hair right here. Wow, Dude, at least good. you could grow something in the middle. Look at this. It's bare, bare. I got a reverse Hitler going on. There's nothing in the middle. <laughs> no, no, you do not. No, for everybody listening, he does not have a reverse Hitler going on. That is not happening. That just means I'm the opposite of Hitler. That's good. Yeah. That's no, a good thing. No. Nothing with the word Hitler in it is ever good. I'm about to reverse Hitler, Hitler, the industry, the profession. (laughs) I I think we should all reverse. You really are. That's That's good. That, except for that, that is good. All right, Shannon, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Irish mule, Irish whiskey, ginger beer, wine. Very simple, very easy. And because of the week that it's been so far, it's a double. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's been, it has been, it's been a week. Yesterday was uh, so as so it had been are, a week by the end of day Monday. Yes. So for everyone who's yeah. listening, as we're recording this, we've been through, as you know, the changed healthcare debacle, which by the time everyone's listening to this, we hope will be over. Also, I don't. I hope it stretches for months to include PBM reform provisions, and it's, I think it's first budget. Although frankly, I'm confused because there was a March first funding problem and there's a March eighth funding problem. So we went through that. NCPA had a call to action. We participated, even though somebody from NCPA said very unkind things to us, but that's okay because we're bigger than that. And for anyone, no, it was not the leadership at NCPA who said that. It was just, anyway, we're bigger than that. We're better than that. We want the pharmacy profession to be amazing, which is why PUT exists. So I think with that, since we're at the end of our podcast, it would be amazing if we thought of um, something we could cheer or toast to as we move into March. March is going to be, March is going to be good. I have a good feeling about March. We're marching into happiness, are we? Uh, I was thinking more of the noun (laughs) than the verb. That's good. 
That's I good. always say March March Madness uh, in the pharmacy is when you have to try and explain to all the patients that are trying to get their controlled substances early that <laughs> February doesn't have 30 days yeah. ever, even on a leap year. So oh, they get hilarious. really upset because they think, well, it's the next month so I can get my controlled substance early. But, you know, you guys are doing great work. And I love this podcast because it's the only one. I get to have two glasses of wine and be ready for bed. And I've learned a lot. And you guys make me laugh. I, I, I love, I love all of you. And I'm going to tell my wife, Hey, you know what? I've two, had two glasses of wine. Let's try the reverse Hitler. <laughs> She'll be looking at me like what? Nice. Laugh uncontrollably. Nice. What are you talking about? That's awesome. You know what I'm talking about. Awesome. <laughs> right, well, you know what I'm talking about. It's that. role playing. It's the oldest profession. Next to pharmacy. All right. Well, that's the perfect thing to drink to. Here's to everything changes. The reverse Hitler. And the reverse Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) I'm out of wine, so I got to go. To learn more about Pharmacists United for Truth and Transparency and how you can help fight PBM abuse of our healthcare system, visit our website at truthrx.org.